It's Friday, August 21st, and you're listening to a fresh new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. On this episode, friend and comedian Tim Rabnett stops in for a chat and a live acoustic performance in studio, as well as Jen Grant joins us for a hilarious new segment of Are You Mariah or Yoko? This and so much more starts now. That is right. You know it. You know it. You know it. Is it weird for a straight man to wax his asshole? Would it be weird? Uh, that's the note I'm starting on. Because I get, uh, like, if a gay man does it, sure, if there's activity down there, of course. Clear it out. But if, uh, and women, it just happens if you get a Brazilian. I guess that's part of the package deal I heard. They just do everything. The undercarriage, flip you around. But as a straight man, is that, would it be weird? Uh, for hygiene purposes. If you do, if you are a straight man and you, and you wax your asshole, please email me, pod at jdcomedyhour.com. I'm just curious for, um... Hygiene. Per- I I hate the feeling that I have to shower after every time I go to the bathroom. Men are gross. Men are really disgusting. Anyway, you're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast coming at you from the Distillery District downtown Toronto. Hi. <clears throat> How you doing today? You have a fresh asshole. <laughs> All right. Enough. I don't know why I started on this note but um anyway thanks for wasting your time with me how you doing today you doing good all right here's a also note to drivers if there's an ambulance uh coming or uh any anything with sirens cops uh fire trucks men firemen this is not an opportunity for you to pass me fucks all right I, I, this happens to me almost. I don't know if it's a Toronto thing or. I don't know if it's a if it's a Toronto driver thing, or if you're experiencing this in your life, anywhere. But anytime I there's a siren, 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 coming, and um, I pull over. There's always like three or four cars that take the opportunity to pass. And it 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 in fear it throws me into a fit of rage, naturally, because as as I've explained before on the podcast, when I get in my car, things I just it becomes a fuselage of rage, and I've said the most vicious things about fellow humans in traffic. Anyway, but this one is one that it, uh, that it, that pisses me off. I like that I'm giving driving advice uh, on the podcast all the time. I'm like the driving police, a.k.a. the police. All right. Anyways, if you do that, stop it. 
Just pull over when you see. Maybe I'm like I'm too I'm too because when I see in my rearview mirror that uh, it's coming, whatever it is with sirens, I pull over pretty much immediately, and all almost always. There's one or two cars that slip past me, and I just freak out. So if that's you, don't do it. Stop. Stop it. Okay. Enough of that. Enough of that shit. Enough of that. I'd written uh, this down last uh, show to be a good receiver, and uh, I just want to say that, actually. Try to be a good receiver in your life. It's just as important as giving. I really believe this. My brother-in-law, Chad, the Chad, the Chad Meister General, he's uh, an incredible human being. He's one of these uh, long-distance athletes. I'm going to have him on the podcast one one day, but... um yeah, he's an incredible like endurance. He does like uh, Ironmans, Ultramans, and a bunch of other men's mans, ultras, epic, epic man. Is that one? The epic man. Anyway, uh, he wh- he taught me this lesson when I was like eighteen years old, and it stuck with me. And I see it all the time. And and um, when somebody, because I remember, I can't remember what the exact scenario was. But he was uh, trying to give me something, like either the, maybe he was picking up a check or something like that. And so, uh, and I was doing the whole, no, I can't, no, no, don't, d- don't, no, 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 where you're actually mad. Nah, nah, uh. And uh, he's, he told me, you have to be a good receiver in life. You just really, it's just as important as giving. And, Because the person that, like 99.9% of the time, the person that's offering it to you, offering you this whatever it is, gift, pick up a check, this little something something, they want to give it to you. It brings them joy to give it to you. And then you just shut that down. Like, no, I don't want I don't want you to experience joy. Because we're conditioned to think it's selfish to accept things. I don't know what, what the problem is. But just be a good receiver in life because it's uh, it truly because I've been seeing this a lot lately. That's why I wanted to bring it up. And so uh, I mean, you can do the polite thing and and for you know when someone offers you something, no, I couldn't possibly. And then the second time, just yeah, take it. Well, thank you. Just accept it, appreciate it, show your appreciation, which is what brings the other person joy in the first place, and just take it. You got to be a good receiver in life. I also read this thing. I don't know if you believe in the law of attraction and all that. Some people find it hokey. Some people take and leave some of it. But I read this in one of those books that, uh, you know, when you're not a good receiver, when you're turning down things uh, with, with daily interactions with other people, you're actually telling the universe you're blocking off the flow. You're telling the universe you don't want, you don't want, you don't want things. What the fuck is this? Welcome to the self-help hour, everybody. Close your eyes, lay back. Anyways, um, I should have written this down more to, to because in my head it was really clear what I wanted to say. But um, anyway, just be a good receiver. I heard someone recently. Someone gave them a piece of furniture. And they said they felt horrible about it. I'm like, well, you need to not. 
and figure out life. Anyway, receive things well in life, okay? If someone offers you a gift, money, pick up a check, just be super grateful and accept it. And all is well in the universe. Harmony and peace. And uh, I give you this podcast, so I hope you receive it well. I hope you're not like, fuck no, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want this podcast. I'm giving it to you. No, I don't want, well, please, no, I can't. Well, I'm offended now, so I'm glad you're happy. Okay, this is a disjointed, uh, bizarre monologue, and uh, let's just dive right into my interview with uh, my good friend, Tim Rabnett. This guy is uh, such a nice, nice, wholesome fella. I like him very much on and off stage. He's hysterical. One of the funniest cats in the game and uh, also uh, just a great guy to be around and hang out with. You know, I grav- tend to gravitate in the in the business of comedy towards other like pretty normal, balanced comedians and uh, I consider this uh, this my guest today a pretty normal, well-balanced dude. And there's not much difference between him on stage and off stage, which I also like. Anyway, we'll get to all of that. Stick around till the end of the episode because he plays one of his uh, uh, tracks, songs, live in studio. And we had, a, we had a good time. So here it is. I won't keep you much longer, person listening to this. All right, what the hell am I doing? What the hell am I doing? All right, enjoy my chat with Mr. Tim Rabnett. You and me belong, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People I need to lose, sing a little song, then take a shower. Julian Dion, comedy You're an awful passenger to have in your car on a road trip. And I'm going to tell you about it. I'm curious that you were in my car for 16 hours with a body temperature so low you didn't need a shower, but you still find time to bitch and moan about how you think my Freon levels are too low? I'm curious. Don't you remember the sun coming through the windshield and warming up your belly, storing the heat inside your fat body? You want to blame that heat on my AC? Well, that just shows you have a lot of fat but no integrity. I'm curious how your taste in road music is so poor. I'm curious why you need to go to McDonald's every three hours. I'm curious why you're full of so much hate when all you are is a cheap knockoff of Bobcat Goldthwaite. When you're napping in my car, you show signs of having sleep apnea disease. A hitchhiker would have had more manners and left less sweat stains on my seats. Well, I'm curious, now that I've owned you with this disc track, what's going to happen to us? I don't know. All I know is I'm never driving you again. Have fun taking the bus. Yo, Tim, I wasn't trying to cause any problems when I mentioned that your air conditioning in your car was a little bit weak. I wasn't calling you out or trying to make you feel bad, but you shouldn't have done a public diss track because, yo, here it comes. Here goes my response. Just because I was not satisfied doesn't mean I should be vilified. 
Your cause and conditioner must be analyzed In this I know I'm justified Tim Ravnit, gonna drop you like a bad happenet Throw you out like an old cabinet Hey bro, you sadnit Your car's air conditioner is weak will You're just as bad as Meek Mill Making diss tracks gives you a cheap thrill I'm coming down on you like a bit of pill Yeah, your punk ass drove me out to the Perry Sound, Ontario comedy place But if it weren't for me, you would've gotten that gig in the first place I said like two times in 20 hours, maybe you should get your air conditioner checked out How's that to know you would have a public diss track freakout? Because I was not satisfied Doesn't mean I should be patronized Your car's air conditioner is demagnetized It's a mechanical problem that needs to be ratified Tim, please open up your closing eyes Fix your car because you haven't tried Go get that automobile analyzed Before for someone real dies yo I just owned your ass all because you won't go to the mechanic yo Tim I hope you were listening you better fix your air conditioning I wasn't trying to do any bitching just trying to help a friend with this denial thing and if you think it's fine then I would bet my life that with we won't agree your wife or anybody that's gotten in your car Tim your air conditioner doesn't work yo just get it checked out it's not a big deal peace <laughs> so that's that, great it that was a good use of our time and i beat him to it because we talked about doing it and then i put mine out at like noon and he stayed up until four in the morning that's hilarious that out, that's so. what you got to do when it comes to uh diss tracks Is, yeah you got to jump on the gun go go first just uh, eat the mic too uh, great um, all right, that of course is uh, my guess that you heard just there. That is, uh, we're living in the era of diss tracks, <laughs> and so especially hot off the heels of the Drake uh, Meek Mill thing. Um, my guest today, he sits in studio, and uh, we'll talk about the diss track just a little bit. Let me just introduce him to you. Uh, I love this guy dearly. He's a he's a very very funny comic and a great person to boot, which is uh, not always the case in this business. You've seen this guy at the uh, on Just for Laughs on your television sets at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival as well on CBC and at uh, the Halifax Comedy Festival. You've heard him on your radio. As part of the CBC Debaters and as well as LOL on CBC, Tim Rabnett. Yeah. Hi, My Julian. Man. Hey, good to see yeah, you. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for thanks for doing this. So let's get into the uh, diss track a little bit. Give a little backstory to uh, the audience. Well, we just we were talking about it before we went on, but we had a long road trip, and Mike, my friend Mike Patterson is probably my best friend in the world, and he, um, one of my great skills is I'm able to drive long stretches without losing focus and be very attentive and safe at driving. And one of his good skills is falling asleep quickly and snoring loudly while you're driving him for 20 hours. And so we've we've had long road trips and it's always been contentious. And this recent one was about uh, to Perry Sound from Montreal. And he just complained about my air conditioner the entire time and he wouldn't shut up. So we got into a, a public diss track battle but i'll tell you um can i do i have time for one other story about Please. mike and i on we a road have, trip yeah about 10 years ago we went to south carolina and that one really hurt our friendship 
um, 20 hours back, maybe 22 hours back from South Carolina. He has no license. It's my good friend Mike Patterson, um, who's very famous for um, doing Bro and Martineau commercials in Quebec and uh, cat impressions when he's doing stand-up. So we had 22 hours back from South Carolina, and by the time we got to the border near Montreal, we we weren't talking. We hated each other. I was so exhausted, and he had been sleeping and snoring the whole way. And then um, some nice girl flagged us down, um, was like, guys, guys. And we rolled down the windows, and she was like, listen, um, I had to come down here for an immigration thing, and there's no buses. I hate to uh, be a hitchhiker or impose on people. Do you mind giving us a ride back to the city? And uh, we said, of course not, hop in. And we drove back to the city. And she was a French girl visiting. She had a visa problem that she had to go to the border. She was totally nice. And we just had a nice conversation. And we're totally respectful with her. And then um, we let her out of the car. And we immediately started saying the most awful things about her imaginable. <laughs> um, talking about how um, I, am a, I am a prostitute from France. And um, if you give me a ride in the car, I had to prove that I'm good at being a prostitute. It was the worst things we've ever done. And it absolutely saved our friendship. Brought you back together. That, uh, yeah, that that girl we could say awful things about... Um, Really, you know what? In fact, edit this story out because I'm not. It makes it sound like um, we really like calling girls prostitutes, which we don't. But um, but in that moment, it was appropriate. You can either edit this out or not. But um, very few girls are prostitutes, and um, it's almost never okay to call a girl a prostitute. But in this Unless situation, you're fighting with your friend, it saved our friendship. Right. Yeah, right. For the benefit of the friendship, she's a slut. Yeah. God. No. Edit this out. I've decided. <laughs> I've decided I want that part edited out. <laughs> All right, it'll be out. And with the magic of uh, editing, we're back. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Tib Rabnit. Let's get to uh, know you. Well, I mean, I know you, but uh, some listeners may or may not already. We met back in uh, Moncton back in 2006. I, when yeah. The club opened up. I remember watching you on stage, one of the first... You, you're very um, kind of so cool and collected on stage and i remember you did back then i was watching with a uh, like a sponge you know when you're such a new comic and you are so good in the moment and you did this one thing i don't know if you'll probably won't remember it was so long ago but um i don't even remember if you were hosting or not but someone at some point you mentioned punching a 12 year old (laughs) okay (laughs) like out of context classic tim yeah (laughs) We're going to edit this out. <laughs> It'll be a seven whole, I know, exactly. <laughs> and um, and then, actually, it wasn't in Moncton. It was at the old Albert Club on Ottawa, now that I remember. Okay. And you were just like, what if someone was to walk in right now? They've never been to a comedy show. They see the sandwich board outside. They're like, oh, let's check out comedy. And uh, they just walk in to hear you on stage. Like, I will punch your 12-year-old or whatever. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh, you can do that in comedy. That was a moment for yeah. me being a, a young comic at that point. Like you can just describe anything. Anything. Yeah. It is like, the, I mean, it's the big difference between animation and um, like, uh, you know, acted television mm-hmm. is that you can, because it's animation, you can draw anything and disregard the laws of physics and, uh, you know, disregard gravity and in stand-up, you can describe anything. You can break any rules you want. Theater of the mind. Yeah. Theater. Theater. Uh, <laughs> and our, um, I'll never forget our trip to 
uh, where was uh, was that Antigonish? Yeah, or, it was uh, up up uh, the east coast, right? And yeah. uh, where you you were headlining, and there was I think it was one of those yucks shows where they just put on a bunch of like openers. Yeah, maybe like and, fourteen openers yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, and then you would headline, so that way they could it would be a cheaper show for them, right? And I remember you you decided on stage at one point you're just gonna keep going until people yeah, left. Until yeah. Let's... And I I had that was a good night, and I I feel like the there were people in the crowd who were into it. What I didn't realize, and I regret to this day, is that some people were like, "Fuck!" The, some of the other acts who opened were like, "Fuck!" Can we go home yet? And I think <laughs> I kept people there like seven hours after right. they thought they were gonna be there, which was inconsiderate. But the show was actually fa- like lovely. But, yeah, I love. it was awesome. And you stuck to your word and played until pretty much everyone had everyone left. left. Yeah. And it was awesome to watch. And yeah, I didn't feel that that uh, can we go yet? No, well, we I think were you were driving there. me. Yeah. yeah so, we were but there were some other people who had driven up and um, from Halifax. Yeah. And the Halifax comics were like, "Yeah, can we? When when can we go? Yeah, <laughs> they probably could have just left though. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't tell them that. So, <laughs> and being new comics, you never want to. You just try to appease everybody, so yeah. you would never dare leave during a show. Yeah, it is fun. I mean, I think now. That probably was 2006 or something. Yeah. And that's before iPhones. I think the iPhone right. was invented in 2007, maybe. And maybe Facebook existed. But there was a fun to being on the road and knowing that basically none of what you do is going to get back to anyone anyway. So right. you could that's really right. just have fun. And as long as people were having a good time, you knew that it was all good. And now I think there's just sort of more more oversight on everything because of uh yeah the watchful eye you're being yeah. watched all yeah the time. which is fine too you know you want to do a good job for everyone but but there was like a wild west feeling and this is a bit before you started i think but they used to do these western trips where you'd go out to alberta and you'd get paired up with if you were a young guy i was a young guy when i did this you get paired up with an older more experienced comic and then you'd get in a car and you'd drive nine hours a day and do a show and then drive nine more hours a day and do another show. And they were just wonderful times Yeah, with, you know, basically no consequences. Like, you were paid to do the show, and if you sucked, you it still got matter, paid. Right? Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I've done some of those, like, early on, where it was actually nine hours. Uh, did one show, like, a night in Vancouver... And then the next night was in Quinnell, yeah. BC, which oh, is God, nine I've hours done all as in well. that casino. It's crazy, that, like, yeah. Weird oh, little yeah. tiny casino. I got a parking, or not a parking ticket, a fine there for not wearing my seatbelt uh, in the parking lot. I was so mad. And oh. it, again, it was one of those trips. You just drive nine hours, yeah. do the gig, wake up, and then we'd go do to Do you Kelowna. remember who you were with for that trip? JenGrant.com. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was a great, great time. And uh, so many long hours. And it does condition you to become a great driver, right? People, yeah. And people that don't drive a lot are, like, they can't even understand doing that. How you uh, can do, and they don't even let, like, transport truck drivers aren't legally allowed to right. drive as long as right. comics are allowed right. to drive. Yeah, or just comics. And it's crazy out west how the conditions you end up driving in, like, it could, it doesn't matter what month of the year you could be driving in it snow. It is so true that, yeah. 
on those those runs, like if you had them in the winter, you just had to do mm-hmm. the drive to go make your three hundred fifty bucks or whatever. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you're just risking your life. That's right. And there's such time in between gigs, like nine hour drive. So where the gig is, it's not snowing, but where you are, it's a blizzard. So yeah. they're like, Well, just get here because we're waiting and there's yeah. people and then you show up late and like dust Dear off your God. boots. Off. It's lucky we're alive I know, in really. retrospect. When you think about it. So when I met you in 2006, how long had you been in the game at that point? When did you start? Probably, I probably started in 99, I mm-hmm. think, um, in Montreal. And it was a very good group of starting people. Uh, and like the people you start with, you just have a special relationship with them forever. forever. So my good friend, Mike Patterson, who I also hate, and um, uh, he complains about air conditioning too much. Um, he, he had started before, but he moved back to Montreal from Toronto um, maybe a couple of weeks after I started. And you're from and Montreal? No, I, I was born in Ontario. I went to McGill. Right. Oh, is that right? And uh, basically stayed for, mm-hmm. for years after being at McGill. And uh, Rebecca Kohler was starting at the same time I was starting. He was a wonderful comic. And uh, there's this guy, Dan Guterman, who now, I think he's now the producer of Rick and Morty, but he wrote for The Onion. And, um, and he was the funniest person of all of us he just had such an amazing sense of humor and stand-up didn't stick but he went on to all kinds of writing and um uh Derek Linguinus really mm-hmm. funny comic from he lives in Chicago now but just a great group of people to start with and when we started there was so much stage time you could get on you know five six nights a week and really figure things out through trial and error and conversely I did Winnipeg this year and to get ready I went and hit every open mic night I could in Toronto, and some of them are just just horrendous. Oh, like man. thirty people on, and the only audience is like maybe two of the thirty people will have girlfriends who are watching, right, and right. that's the entire like. There's no real audience members, and I don't know how anyone separates themselves from that group. Those, those are excruciating. I know. And like, if you're starting in that circumstance, how do you prove to anyone that you're right. better than anyone else or distinguish yourself? It's really. I find the only purpose for those are that you become uh, good at doing those rooms. Not even good at doing them. At pretending like you're having a good time up there. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Because you go to those rooms and some of the comics. That's all they do, and they're fucked. They could. They're just like having an awesome time up there. They yeah. couldn't be phased by what. Whereas when like you, if, if you're not used to it and you go in there, you're just like, ugh, you're sweating. You're like, is this happening? Yeah. What is happening here? And more and more, just where I'm at now, and I think so many people have different opinions on what stand up is. But what I am trying to do now is to make a connection with people and to like. Um, of course, it's fake, but to make it seem like we really have a friendship in right. the 45 minutes that I'm up there is to right. really make a connection where people feel like like we've related in a human way. And that's impossible to do in a room full of comics who are just starting out. Uh, impossible. Like, it's th- and, I, and I noticed that you do that. I, well, I don't know if you do it anymore, but it's another thing I noticed as a young comic watching you. You would start establishing that connection from the back of the room, walking to the stage, yes, looking yeah. around in the audience, making eye contact with, with people, people as you're going up, waving to people. And that's a trick I've stolen over the yeah, years. Yeah, and you. I've gotten just, you get more comfortable with yourself as you get older. So I think when I started, I didn't totally know, um, like if you're standing by the bar and someone comes up to get a drink, whether you should talk to them before you go on stage. 
But that's a for me now, that's a great thing to do is just start building friendships with the audience, you know, before you've even been on stage. Of course. um, You know, if you can make a joke to someone at the back while you're waiting to go on, it's only going to make them more like you more when you get on stage. So but again, lots of people have different philosophies about stand up and uh yeah some people have the they, they like to keep the mystique and yeah and of and mark sove actually would famously say don't talk to anyone before, before yeah the show because he wants to keep that mystique and like just the the, the perform the kind of yeah. the magic dust in the air that comes with being on stage and in control of the room i guess that's one way of looking yeah. at it and also you know david hetty is a comic from montreal mm-hmm. and he has very like extreme subject matter Right. But I was talking to him about this, and he said he considers stand-up to be more of a seduction, like a game of cat and mouse. And uh, that's just a very different way than I look at it. Uh, you know? Like, I I want it to feel to people like a real conversation right. with friends. Yeah. And, and that can, like, after the show, you can just keep talking to the audience and keep making jokes even though the show's over. You right. know, you don't have to go hide in a room in the back. <laughs> and I'll tell, um, of course, I don't know if all of your listeners are aware of Joanna Downey, who's another comic mm-hmm. who had a huge impact on on me and everyone in Canada of a certain age. But she, she's, she has ALS now, and mm-hmm. um, uh, that ability to talk to people has been taken away from her. But I'll, I'll never forget um, being at a gig with her and Derek Sagan, who's another hilarious comic, and Derek and I were in the back not socializing after a show, and Joanna just brought a huge group of people into the green room and was like, guys, uh, come hang out. I've made new friends. And then the next day, like, we got up and went over to these strangers' houses, and they made us dinner. And um, Joanna was just a great person yeah. for that, to say, you know, you're doing shows. This is an opportunity to make all these new friends, and it doesn't mean you have to go to their weddings or be friends forever, but you really can just meet people and have a good time with Mm -hmm. them for however long you're in their town. And she had such a great uh, conversationalist approach on stage. Yeah. Like you never felt like she was doing an act. No, Uh, no. That's the first uh, one thing I noticed from her watching her. I worked with her the first time ever was in Halifax and uh, it was like she was just talking to people and doing very well, mind yeah. you. Like, and she was also the kind of person that if you ever got seated next to her on an airplane or a bus, you didn't have a choice. You'd made a new friend in life Yeah, because she was that kind of person. And I, I try to have that energy on and off stage as well. But not everyone is like that. Jer- right. Jeremy Hotz is not like that <laughs> right, as a person, right? Yeah, right. And he's a fantastic comic. So there's different ways to do things, but but that's... I think that's always been a part of who I am. And it's really nice to hear you say that you saw some of those things in me 10 years ago, because those are the things that I try to try to highlight now about my personality, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, and and there's no real uh, right or wrong way of doing it. It's just what whatever your personality is, you know. Right. Like, it's just whatever. it's basically whatever the audience laughs at that's, is that's is right. successful. Yeah, that's right. Uh, when you started in '99, because you have a strong musical background, did you start? Because uh, you do, you were part of Dandelions. Yeah, which is absolutely. A musical Mike duo. and I, my yeah. my dear friend and bitter enemy, Mike <laughs> Patterson. Yeah. And did you guys? Was that how did that start? Did you do dip into stand up first, or did you? No, do no. That we first? were doing. So we started doing stand up, and then Mike and I started a, a sex rock band 
that only did single entendres. You're aware that like um, love in an elevator is like a, a double entendre about going down on people. Uh, we had a band called Misogynizer that only did single entendres. So instead of um, like uh, instead of um, love in an elevator, it would be a song called "Fucking You" or something. <laughs> or um, uh, you were crying, so I fucked you was another good song. Um, I wonder if I can remember you were crying, so I fucked you. Maybe I'll play that later. It's awful. Um, oh, shit. You're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> but we did that for a while. And I think, you know, we were too young and stupid and we didn't have the the gravitas to pull that off. And so we we did. Danny Lyons was more like uh, stupid and and silly and people liked that more. Although I think some people thought we definitely got feedback that it was not appropriate for for all audiences, that it was a bit collegiate. And then the shows Mike and I just did in Port Perry were all for like rich 60-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And they loved they loved the songs we were doing. Just as an idea, like um, a Dandelion song that people like uh, is called Testicle Tea. And it's about um, when you run out of beer, uh, if you just boil your balls, uh, liquid, like your balls will alcoholize the water and then you can make a nice batch of testicle tea and you can drink it uh, and get drunk and it turns out that like rich 65 year old people are like i really like that song (laughs) testicle tea that was enjoyable i think you did that one at the painted lady sure definitely i did yeah Yeah, like recently yeah Yeah, yeah. that's funny um so and and how did that take off and how did you like so you start doing stand-up then you get into the musical uh, duo act and how do you separate the two well we had a um a weekly show is how okay. it got separated so we were both doing stand-up and on weekends we do our own thing but every tuesday we had a show and it went from eight until whenever we finished so we'd do two sets uh we'd do the first set maybe from like eight till ten take an hour or two off and then do a second set where we basically did all the same things we did for a different drunker audience. Right. And it was really, uh, those were some of the best times of my life that I have no memory of. <laughs> but I assume they were great. <laughs> and and uh, were you finding that either your stand-up or the, the musical duo, that one was taking off more than the other? I think ultimately, one of the great things about stand-up is you just have more personal control right. over things. So... You know, stand-up's tough, and you all entertainment things are tough. And so when you can have work, you just gravitate to what's getting you work. And because stand-up is just, you just show up by yourself, and if there's a microphone, you can go. It's always a bit easier to find stand-up work. So that's why we stopped, Mike and I stopped doing stuff together so much, is because we were just finding that to pay the bills, there's just more opportunity to uh, to carry on and do stand-up. So what's the writing process like that when you're in a musical duo? Because on stand up you can write on stage, off stage, a little bit of both, kind of whatever works for you. But when there's another person in the equation, it usually starts from a very stupid idea. Although when we were doing our weekly show, sometimes we'd have themes, mm-hmm. so we'd have guests. Like if we had a, um, oh, and I don't even remember. I have all of these songs recorded and written down, but some of them we do only once. But like two songs I loved. We did a song called. Uh, um, wait for the movie because we had an author on talking about his book and so it's just about how books are boring and you should always wait for the movie instead of reading the book but it was when the Da Vinci Code came out and then we said that the film the Da Vinci Code was a real disappointment so read the book instead of going to that movie 
and it was just a song called Wait for the Movie. And so we wrote that specifically for for a thing. And another um, another song we wrote one off was for a country night we had. I love this song. Um, God, I wish I could remember that today too, but it was called um, I'm Selling My Truck. Mm-hmm. And Mike was like a big, hard country guy who like um, his farm wasn't doing great. So he's putting his truck up for sale secondhand. And then I was like a really liberal, like Hillary Clinton voter who was going to like take his truck and use it for a float in the gay pride parade. And, um, you know, it's a real personal story about a man selling (laughs) his truck, but we wrote that for country night. And so we'd sort of targeted do, do writing for things. And then also, you know, just when you're with friends, you have a stupid idea and, uh, bless you. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, just something stupid someone says. Sometimes you're like, uh, let's let's run with that. And like the diss tracks. We're right. just like, let's do a diss track. And then you just do it. So, so Let me just uh, crank up your mic just a little bit. There okay. we go. It's my oh. posture bad. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit now specifically about, about the career. So you start out in Montreal and um, things start taking off. And when did you... When did opportunities really start to present themselves for you? Yeah, I get... Well, so being in Montreal, you had more access to the Just for Last Festival than other people did. They used to do a Montreal show mm-hmm. that would let people perform at the greatest comedy festival in the world way before they're ready to. So I was allow- I was given that opportunity because they made special allowances for Montreal people. And that was pretty huge. And I did get a, a job writing... At Just for Laughs as well, way before... Writing at Just for um, Laughs. Yeah, just helping... Like, when they do TV shows, they like to have people who can contribute ideas. And so, um, yeah, so that was like a job that was I was totally unqualified to have and should never have gotten. But um, it was just a lucky opportunity. The other thing about being young is you get opportunities and you think wow, I'm going to get so many more of those. And I'm 37 now. And when I get an opportunity, I'm like, oh, fuck, like buckle down, work hard, because this will never come along again. Um, So, yeah, so I did just, you know, because of where I was, I got lots of opportunities that I got to waste and uh, not fully appreciate. Right. But that was a big help. And then, um, you know, I started working with Yuck Yucks. And that's if people are where Yuck Yucks is a comedy chain in Canada that has great talent. And it is... It's a system like many jobs where you have to pay your dues and there's lots of really funny people who feel like they should be climbing up the ladder faster, but the people at the top are really, you know, the people who are headlining for Yucks are excellent comics mm-hmm. who have been doing it for years, so it's hard to make way for the really talented people below them. And so for years I slowly worked my way up that company and uh you know, everyone's always got complaints, but uh but I'm glad I did that. Like yeah, of course. uh you know, everyone has complaints about their job, but uh, but it gives you a great opportunity to make money and be on stage a lot. So. Yeah, huge huge amounts of stage time yeah. when, when you go that route, for sure. At what point did the uh, Comedy Now come into play? Was that one of the <sighs> early things? Yeah, you- God, I did a Comedy Now. If um, any of you out there have never watched my Comedy Now, please don't. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Why, was it too soon, you think? You, you know feel? what? It, you know what it was? I did two tapings of Comedy Now. There, So I personally, and I mean this is no offense to anyone who did such a great thing for the comedy community because it gave so many great people opportunities. When I watch the show, 
I don't get drawn in the way I did to live performances right. of people. So if it's on, if Comedy Now is airing, I might change the channel, whether it's me or someone else. But if you go back and look at the list of people who were given Comedy Nows, it is, they showed such fantastic judgment in their selections. Like, pretty much without exception, everyone who ever got a Comedy Now is a really funny person. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave them a great opportunity. And so I was very lucky to get that opportunity. They also, because of the shooting schedule, it was a really tight shooting schedule. And I was taping on a Wednesday and I had a very good taping and was really happy with it. But I sweat through my shirt. So they came out and stopped me and they were like, you know what? You're sweating too much. We'll bring you back on Saturday. Oh, no way. And they put me on as the fifth taping on a Saturday night. And I basically bombed and humiliated myself. No way. And then they ended up using that taping and I didn't watch it for years. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's not so bad, actually. But but there was a good two years where I refused to watch it because I was too embarrassed about how badly it had gone. And I, I wasn't. I wasn't good enough as a comic to do well every time, no matter what. Right. But that takes, you know, 15 years to mm-hmm. get to that point. How so, many years were you in at that point? Probably like eight. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, I mean, some but, people have gotten them so early and it haunts them for... So eight's not... Eight, but, it's a reasonable But I'll, t- I'll tell you, I don't. you can bring up the list. Look at everyone who's ever done it. Even the people who got it too soon have gone on to become really good comics. Right. Which is a real... Um, you know, Millen Curry Sharples, who selected people for that, had an incredible eye for finding the great talent in this country, and mm-hmm. he deserves big thanks for uh, for all the opportunities he gave people. Yeah, and you know, varying degrees, but it's changed some people's lives incredibly. Most of all, Russell Peters, who uh, right, of course, who has made four hundred million dollars off of his comedy <laughs> now. So, yeah, that he obviously by far he's. Uh, that was just crazy. Yeah, and that he, was his second one, I think, right? Or something. Was I it? think it was his second one that he did. Mm-hmm. And I did it the same year that that whatever year that was. And uh that just blew up mm-hmm. out of control and uh Yeah, he's made the most millions of dollars of any comedi- <laughs> Canadian comedian. And then second place will be like some guy who's made $250,000 doing comedy. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Throwing a few uh commercials in there. Yeah. Um, so you're born in Ontario. You lived in Montreal for how many, how many years? I mean, so we, ju- my wife and I just moved back. Mm-hmm. So it's been maybe God, 17 years or something. And your family's still? My family's still here, but we're back so much. So even when we were living in Montreal, sometimes we'd be back three or four months a year. Right. And where Anyways, does your family live so here? Like my dad lives in Toronto proper and my mom lives up in Barrie. Okay. And then... My in-laws, my wife's sister and her family live in Uxbridge, and we really love spending time with them, so it's great to... um, I just burped also. Can you edit that out? (laughs) There's so much editing. Uh, Tim's a nice guy, but he makes me do a lot of editing. Uh, Well, okay, because that was my next question. I was going to ask, like, how... How has it affected you uh, having lived away from your family, sacrificing, you know, being around all the time for for stand up? But by the so- sounds of it, you've you've managed to keep a healthy, you know, dose of visits in your sketch. Um, let me just yeah. say this: everyone should vote for Stephen Harper. I really like that guy. 
Can you edit that out as well? <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, no, don't we'll, vote for we'll, Stephen Harper. We'll edit uh, that. We'll edit that in more. Okay, yeah. Pepper, just throughout through, the yeah, thing. Vote for Stephen Harper. <laughs> Tim Rabbit is brought to you by the Conservative Party of Canada. Um, yeah, no, it's been great. My family is great. So I do think everyone goes through different periods. Definitely with girls, I think it's like from fourteen to eighteen, where you're like, I hate my family. Fuck right. you, mom. And then I think guys, when they're in their early 20s, not that they dislike their family, but they just get a bit at arm's length and mm-hmm. say, I want to go out and, and live in my own world. And then my family's great. So, you know, I was a bit distant when I was younger, but it's as you get older, you just want to be around them more. And yeah. Well, I mean, you seem like, I mean, you are a, a, a normal, balanced human in this game. Which, I'll kill you for saying that. <laughs> which are the people I gravitate towards. Yeah. You know, cause it's, and there, there are some talented, weird people mm-hmm. also. Oh, absolutely. And I love their stand-up, yeah. but a, a four-hour car drive with them can be, can <laughs> right. be odd. Right. Let's, uh, let's do this. Well, I'm going to drop a clip of uh, your stand-up, and uh, we'll take a short break. We'll come back. We're going to do a uh, fun segment, uh, and then we'll after the segment... We'll go in for the close, and we'll uh, get you to uh, whip your axe out. Great. And it's an axe. actual axe. Right. It is. I'm going to chop wood live on radio. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll be right back. Enjoy this little clip from my guest, Tim Rabnett. All right, guys. Thanks for coming. Uh, hey, I noticed you're... Am I supposed to do the stand-up <laughs> actually? or Oh, you have a... Never mind. Uh, we'll edit that in. We'll edit laughs in. We'll can laughs, laughs at that point. Hey guys, welcome to Yuck Yucks Hamilton. <laughs> um, my wife and I, we've recently decided that we're not going to have children. Uh, it's a personal decision you make, and then your friends and family get mad at you. Uh, for me, it's especially my brother and sister-in-law are mad, because they have kids. They think I'm very good with their kids, so they're just angry, right? They're like, what do you mean you're not having kids? You're so good with kids. And then I'm like, no, I just like playing with Lego. <laughs> good parent. This is just an anecdote to prove that. But I was recently at my brother and sister-in-law's place. They have a seven-year-old boy, Graydon. He's great. Now, Graydon does not know how old I am, right? He just likes playing with me. I think he thinks that I'm 12, and everyone in grade five has a drinking problem, right? So, I'm at their house. I'm just washing dishes at the sink, right? Graydon sneaks up behind me, and he wants to assert his dominance onto me like a young lion cub in the jungle trying to step up in life, right? So I'm washing dishes, he sneaks up on me, and with all the power of his little seven-year-old lungs, he burps on me as loudly and powerfully <laughs> as to be a tough guy, right? He's like, oh, take that, Uncle Tim. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what a parent would do in that situation. I'm just an uncle. I have uncling instincts. My uncling instincts said the right thing to do was to just point in his face and be like, you cannot tell your parents about this. And now I flexed every muscle in my torso and I farted on him. As I could. Right? To show him who's boss, right? Take that, little man. You're not ready yet. Come see me in 12 years. To step up, and of course, he he loves farts more than anything. It's the best thing ever to happen to him. He bursts into the beautiful, pure laughter of a child. He's just crying. He's like, oh my god, Uncle Tim, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. For like 30 seconds. And then he stops laughing. 
And he gets a concerned look. <laughs> I'm not supposed to tell my parents about something. I'm supposed to go tell my parents about <laughs> Yeah, so immediately I'm like, oh my god, you're right. Let's go tell your parents I farted on you right now. Immediately today, we're taking care of this little man. We can't have that lingering around, right? We're down the road, he's like, oh guys, something happened with Uncle Tim two months ago. I'm not supposed to tell you about it. I'm in a police station and some cop's like, you were trying to have sex with that kid. And I'm like, no, I was just farting on the kid. Like, you should not have children. Um, guys, thank you so much. Good idea. And if you take all the apps off your old phone, you can get tons of music on it. Ah. And if you take all the music off this, then you can do you can take as many pictures as you want and not ever be up wow, against the, good idea. the thing. But it just looks excellent. This has been Tech Talk with Tim and Jen. <laughs> <laughs> when did um, you get it? I don't know, maybe maybe three or four months ago. Oh. Yeah. It looks like sparkling clean. I'll oh tell my you goodness. Um you can record this. I don't know if you'll use it, but my other, <laughs> so Mike and I are great friends. And then we played in a lip sync band with Ryan Wilner, who's right. a, a great comic, but he also is a businessman now and doesn't do as much stand up as he used to. But, uh, he was doing the, um, he was doing the, like a pre-show thing for the just for last gals this year, where he'd upgrade seats on behalf of air Canada. And we were backstage and he has the same iPhone six that I have. And he said, Hey, do you mind six. using my phone? to take pictures of me while I'm in the audience doing this thing. And I said, sure, what's your passcode? And he was like, I'm not telling you my passcode. <laughs> I have important business stuff and there's no way you would fuck with my phone. I'm not giving you my phone. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it was like five minutes before he went out. So I kept, he'd given me his phone and then I'd just casually be like, oh, what's your passcode? Just to see if I could catch him off guard and he wouldn't tell me. So when he went out, I took, I did take pictures on his phone, but then I used my phone to take a picture of his locked screen. Yeah. And I changed my lock screen so that it just looked at, like a zoomed in version a little bit of his locked screen. Right. And then I changed cases and put a, <laughs> a different code on my phone. So when he got off stage, I gave him my phone in his case with a picture of his lock screen on it. And he fucking, he was so mad. He's like, you knew Mike, what did you do? You, you've changed my code? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. And it was oh, just awesome. a great two minutes of fucking with one of my friends. Uh, shit, that's so great. I'm, I'm going to leave that in, of course. Uh, and we're back with uh, Tim Ravnett. Joining us in studio once again is uh, comedian Jen Grant. And we're, Hi. we're here for, uh, we're going to do a new segment. No, sorry, it's not a new segment. I was like, oh, what segment's that? Um, but I'm going to play the jingle for Tim so he knows it, so he knows what to expect. Are you excited, Tim? Let's hear the jingle first. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to like this, actually. I know you're going to like this. And now, Julian Dion presents Are You Mariah or Yoko? Where we find out from each of your celebrity guests, is it vocal range or vocal strain? Alright, as the jingle indicates, it's time now for another installment of Are You Mariah or Yoko? Do you have any idea, by any chance, what this could be? I feel like I'm going to be a Mariah, but we'll, we'll oh! see. 
big talk. Spiking oh, those levels. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting no, into no, it. No, no, I'll adjust. I'll adjust. Okay. I'll, uh, oh, my God, that was loud. And uh, um, I'll just say briefly, I have a friend who's a girl, and she plays in a lot of bands with only men. Yeah. And she said, I don't know if you've ever found this, but if you're in a heavily male-dominated environment as a girl, the only thing you need to know to get by in life is just lots of Simpsons quotes. So <laughs> yeah. that you can, you'll always, like, if you have to do a long car trip with a bunch of guys, you can just talk about uh, the Simpsons. But that's one of the all-time great Simpsons moments is in the B-Sharps episode when uh, Barney starts dating the Yoko Ono-type girl, and they're at Moe's, and Barney asks for a beer, and the girl asks for a single plum floating in perfume in a man's hat, and then <laughs> Moe just reaches under the bar and grabs them each a beer and a hat with a plum floating in perfume in it. Because <laughs> he just always has that ready under the bar. Hilarious. <laughs> Uh, classic Simpsons. I saw on CP24, they were, because they they showed this story, and we'll get to the segment in a sec, <laughs> but they showed this story of this couple that's, like, restoring their kitchen to match the Simpsons. I think I saw that kitchen. too, yeah. yeah. And uh, one of the anchors is like, I haven't watched The Simpsons in a long time. And the other one goes, uh, well, is anybody really? I'm like, yes. yes. It's, it's the, one of the all-time best written comedies ever and also the long, longest running ever. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Who are you? Yeah. So anyways, I thought I'd get that off my chest. He said that to the 3,000 people watching his newscast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is anyone watching The Simpsons? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So let's do this. Jen, if you could, in a concise manner, explain to uh, Tim as as well as the listeners, those just tuning in for the first time of uh, the segment. Okay. So you know, Tim, when you're listening to one of your favorite songs mm-hmm. um, and you have your earbuds in. Yes. And you're you're alone and yeah. you're really giving it. Yeah. You're singing it like with all your might. Yeah. Dancing and you like think, no one's watching. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you think that you sound amazing, right? Yes. Because you can't hear your voice coming back into your ears. All you're hearing is the professional recorded song of course so you but you think if i could hear myself i'm sure i'm amazing yes like i'm awesome i'm yes. well that's what we're gonna do today we're gonna put it to the test Perfect. if you have a favorite song that you like to do that with and then i'm gonna sing it's your choice i'm gonna sing the same song okay and we're gonna see who's mariah who's yoko julian's gonna judge Okay. And you get a lot of points for enthusiasm. So does even it, if you're not hitting the right keys and whatever. Does it uh, have to be Mariah or Yoko? No, no, no. It can no, be no. Anything in the world. Yeah, that's just the name of the segment. Okay. Anything just, at all. So we're just choosing Mariah because she's known to be a good singer. And Yoko's, of course, known to be a terrible singer. Artist. So. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. I'm going to take, go to um, Rolling Stone's list of 100 greatest songs ever. They definitely have one. Okay. And I'll do song number 58 off Whoa. of that list. Oh, sorry. I don't even know that. what it is. This is so. daring. But I'll get it. Oh, here we go. 58, 59, 58. Billy Jean. All right. Oh, that guy. Oh, my God. This is, I like this better. Okay, so uh, I almost feel like we should pick a number like between this. 1 and 500. Now I have to get the lyrics though and stuff. Yeah, no, okay. You know what I mean? Or should we uh, bother? I, I don't, uh, maybe yeah, I get, know the lyrics. Get the lyrics, get the but lyrics. Uh, okay, so number 58 of the 500 greatest oh songs ever written as per Rolling Stones is Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. By the way, a fucking outrage. How is that 58? Right, That yeah, should be like six or right, something. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so now we have the lyrics ready. And uh, Tim, as the guest, you get to choose who you would like to go first. 
I'm happy to go first. Are oh, we both okay. doing Billy Jean? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's the way it works. All right. So you choose a song. You choose who goes first. I, I'm happy to go first. So here we go. Are you Mariah or Yoko? The song is the 58th greatest song as per Rolling Stone of all time. An outrage. Uh, an outrage. Michael Jackson's Billy Jean. And uh, Tim Rabnett will go first. And I've so, got my two fingers up to my ear. Right. Like I'm really killing this. Studio style. Okay, here we go. Tim Rabnett, Billie Jean. All when right. you're ready. She was more like a beauty queen from a movie scene. I said, oh my, what do you mean? I am the one. Ha! On the floor, in the round. Since I am the one. Who dance in the floor, in the round. Hee <laughs> hee. <laughs> <laughs> She told me her name was Billie Jean, and she caused a scene. She stared her head and her eyes a dream of being the one who would dance on the floor in the round. Ha! People always told me, be careful what you do. Ha! Don't go around breaking young girls' hearts. Hee hee! And mama always told me, be careful who you love. Be careful what you do, cause a lie becomes truth. Hey, a Billy Jean is not my lover. She's just the girl who claims that I am the one. But the kid is not my son. Hee hee. Yes. She says I am the one. But the kid is not my son. All right. Oh, Tim Ravnett coming in oh strong. God. That sounded amazing to me. I assume that's going to be really, really good. Uh, that was awesome. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, my cheeks hurt. That was very, very good. Very funny. Enthusiasm off the okay. charts, by the way. He had the two, like you said, the two fingers on the, <laughs> on the headset. You had the. Do you want to use uh, those, uh, I'm Jen? Use his. You really okay, can't hear when these are on. And I'm gonna have this way. We keep everything consistent. Your voice changed so much. So you were like, you were like falsetto. Yeah, and, and then, then, then all I went. Of a sudden you're uh, like, yeah. I, I was and thinking, <laughs> what would Michael do? That's what I thought. <laughs> so. Oh fuck. Okay, I gotta sit there. Oh, should I use this? Yeah, Does yeah, it yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Of course. Right. That's why. That's oh why. Oh my I, god. I I'm nervous because that was pretty good. Yeah, very, I mean, uh, enthusiasm. Your, your style was very yes. delicate. Smooth falsetto. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I also used to be a black man, and then I changed the color of my skin. So you, you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now spiking those levels across the board. Sorry. Okay, no, no, don't be. It's fun. I'm really into it. Uh, okay, Jen Grant, her uh, response, retort, when ready? The mic is yours. The floor is yours. Billie Jean, here we go. Oh, I'm nervous. Okay. She was more like a beauty queen from a movie scene. I said, don't mind, but do you mean I am the one who danced on the floor in a round? I probably need to be higher. Okay. I am the one who danced on the floor in a round. She told me her name was Billie Jean, <laughs> and she caused a scene. Had <laughs> a round of dream, she in the one who dance on the floor in a round. 
People always told me, be careful what you do. Don't go around breaking young girls' hearts. <laughs> Mother always told me, be careful who you love. I be careful what you do. Because a lie becomes the truth. Hey, hey, hey. Billie Jean is not my lover. She's just a girl who claims that I am the one. <laughs> but the kid is not my son. <laughs> She says, I am the one, but the kid is not my son. All right, Jen Grant coming in strong. Uh, wow, that's that's a tough one. Holy I shit. I we sound very different, eh? Uh, yeah. I bet I sound because more I like a like... woman than you do. <laughs> it's so, well, I that's, a, that, that's a testament to Michael right there because uh, you were bo- both kind of up, down, uh, trying to it find is, the right It is, because you're trying note. to find how yeah. can I attack this song. <laughs> like you would start like, uh, she was more like a beauty. Lower, lower. Lower. This is the part of, uh, of the job I hate. Um, you also could go a third way, and instead of naming either of us Mariah or Yoko, you could just say you're both Michael. Oh, snap attack. <laughs> I like that. We could change the rules right here. Um, fuck, I got it. This hasn't happened a lot, but I'm going to call it a tie. Whoa. Yeah, a tie. Yes, Good. yes. That means we're like centaurs. Half Our upper half of our body is Yoko and our lower half is Mariah. Right, with black and white spots all over. Yeah. Uh, there, you, there you have that it, folks. Fun. That's another segment in the can of Are You Mariah or Yoko? Uh, okay, we're back with Tim Ravnant after a tiebreaker, or not a breaker, but just a tie. Uh, Mariah or Yoko, thanks for doing that. Uh, it was very fun, Killed and it. I assume it sounded great. It, well, it did. It did. <laughs> for the purposes of comedy, it was fantastic. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, uh, we'll go for the close here soon, uh, but before we do, I just want to, because uh, we were talking a little business before then, you're obviously a super successful, accomplished uh Canadian comic. Yes, I'm also an Uber driver. So. Yeah, let's, let's get into that. No, because it, I like talking about these things because people tend to feel embarrassed uh, if they have a side gig, which I find it ridiculous. And you said it perfectly uh, when you got here. You're like, no m- amount of money will ever be enough. So why not on my downtime fill it with, um, with money? With something. Yeah, yeah totally. Something. So I've I just for the past like month I've been driving around doing Uber stuff for a few hours a day, which is perfect, and for, making for some comedy. extra cash. Yeah, it really is perfect. But any, and I think I meant this before about opportunities as well. When I was younger, you know, when you're young, you might say no to something because you don't think it's the right decision. And then as you get a bit older, anything that is a challenge you think you're too good for, you actually should just do it and do a great job of it. And I think in this business, people are like, oh, that's below me or I don't want to do that. And the real way to to move forward is to take on every challenge and prove that you can kick ass at it. And so I think that applies to like writing or if someone's like, I want you to do warm up for a kid's show and you're like, I'm an artist, I don't do that. Uh, my attitude is do it and prove that you're too good to do it by doing a great job and having everyone be really appreciative of the work you did. And 
you know, if you if you have to work at a coffee shop or something, it's comedy is this weird thing where people do it once and it consumes their identity. Right. So you meet people who've done one open mic night and they're like, I am now a comic. Right. And it doesn't it shouldn't define entirely who you are as a person. And so you shouldn't be ashamed of having to do other things other than just stand up comedy to make your life worthwhile. Yeah. And it, and also you reach at a point. Uh, a point in your life where you're like, I just want money. Yeah, like, I just want I stuff. Just, like, like, it's it's fuck just being a comic and being broke all the time. What's the point? Like, yeah, who, who's who's winning in that thing? Because there's also this whole element of fake it till you make it. Sure, and well, yeah, that that's at your personal life's detriment. I mean, you're you're you can't go out as much for dinner and like fuck that shit. You know, just make money whichever way you can. And the, the other thing is it in this business it really really does take a long time to become successful and even people uh, like jim norton is really successful now he does the opie and jim norton show and people don't realize like how long like he was doing okay i heard um you know big jay okerson Mm -hmm. he just got a serious xm uh show and i heard him doing an interview about it and he was saying like like i have a daughter and you know like i'm doing well as a comic but you know, when my daughter wants to buy a sweatshirt as on my comic salary, I have to be like, okay, pick one sweatshirt. And this radio show is going to be the first time I can ever like really just get her stuff and not, not be panicked about money. And it takes about 20 years in comedy before that starts happening for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And so along the way you need to do what you can to, to have a good life. Of course. Uh, No shame in that. Do you have any good uh, Uber stories? Yeah. Well, many so far, but, um, one I like is that there's a, like a really nice girl. Um, my wife and I were kind of bouncing around different, we were subletting a place and then we moved into an Airbnb and then the lady, we were going to be in the Airbnb for two months and the lady sold it a week into us moving into the place. So we had to move out a week after moving in and we were just feeling really displaced. And I, this lady was moving from an Airbnb to another Airbnb. So I had so much sympathy for her. She's a really like nice young girl and her and her boyfriend just, they were trying to save up for first and last month's rent, but they'd been staying in a different Airbnb every week or two. And she was just so sick of moving. So I helped her like move a bunch of stuff and we filled up my car with all their belongings and I drove her to a new place and uh, her job, she worked at a produce distribution company mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I helped her move everything up into her apartment and I said, you know, best of luck. I have a lot of sympathy. And she said, I really appreciate things and I would like to tip you for the good work you've done. So here's 10 Roma tomatoes and two Spanish onions. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, great, I'll go home and make sauce. And then I did. If she ever hears this, I want her to know I did make a pasta sauce. I bought some sausages and uh, turned her onions and tomatoes into a delicious sauce. And I still have leftovers in my fridge. And uh, that was the best tip. Sometimes people are like, uh, can I give you extra money? And I'm like, no. But if someone's like, uh, can I give you some tomatoes? I'll, I'll say yes. Yeah, I will have your tomatoes. <laughs> Uh, there you go. A, a tip by way of uh, an experience. Um, all right, man. What, what do you say we uh, whip out your axe? Great. Yeah, let's do this. And um, play us a little, little uh, play us out, a little something, something. And before uh, before you do, uh, anything you want to add? You want your Niagara Falls this weekend? This episode is coming out today, uh, right. Friday, the the twenty something something rather twenty first. Uh, so you'll be at Yak Yak's uh, Casino Niagara all weekend, yeah, until tomorrow. Uh, um, next weekend, I'm still moving furniture from Montreal to Toronto, so I'll be at uh, the Comedy Nest in Montreal next weekend, which is uh, 
great. Um, and also go to the Yak Yaks in Montreal because I work for Yak Yaks and oh, right. uh, right. that club's great <laughs> also. Um, and uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and uh, you can become a friend on Facebook. And also on Twitter and Instagram, I do eat a surprising number of hot dogs. And so I've developed a Twitter account and an Instagram account called the Hot Dog Hot Blog. And it chronicles all of the hot dogs I eat. And uh, I give each hot dog a rating out of 10, with nine being the lowest possible rating a hot dog can get. So it's a lot of like 24s out of 10 and like 19s out of 10. And um, if you're interested in seeing uh, how quickly I'm going to die of nitrate consumption, follow my my hot dog hot blog and what on are you gonna, Twitter and Instagram. That's great. And what are you uh, going to play for us here? I think I'm going to do... Um, I did just see if I could remember you were crying, so I fucked you, and uh, then I remembered it's horrible, so I'm not going to do that. But um, this is, I think I'll do um, a Christian rock song, uh, which I really like. This is a song I've done for years, and a problem with Christian rock is that it focuses mainly on abstinence before marriage, and that's an unpopular angle, right? because no one likes abstinence before marriage. And uh, definitely, like, when I was, before I was married, I was the kind of guy who thought second base was anal sex. So, um, <laughs> so I was, that wouldn't appeal to me at all. So, um, I feel like Christian Rock could have a more popular approach if instead of em- emphasizing abstinence before marriage, they just talked about how much fun it is to have sex once you're married. Right, right, right. right. So, instead of being like, don't have sex before you're married, you just forget about that and say, hey, once you're married... How great will that be to have sex? It's the glass half full approach. Yeah, exactly. So this is a song called God's Watching You Make Love on Your Wedding Night, and He's Smiling. And it's a Christian rock song. Let's hear it. Um, do, you, do you need to do anything technical to adjust this? or nope. you just gonna going to pick things go, up? Yeah. All right, good. Up. So here we go. Maybe just a lower a little. Jeffrey met Susan Back when he was 17 And she was so pretty He nearly lost his balance So he fell in love with that girl And he showered her with gifts Every week he'd save up his allowance But he knew that there was one gift That he could give her And you know what gift I'm talking about that wouldn't cost a thing And now it's their wedding night And everything's alright And they're gonna make love for the first time Cause if there's one thing we know that God really likes It's two virgins making love on their wedding night It's beautiful and pure and erotic and sexy and holy well, now that you're married, it's not a sin For you to make love again and again God's watching you make love on your wedding night And he's smiling You can make love with her on top If that's what you want to do And you can do that thing where she's lying on her side And she's halfway over and her legs out like a triangle You can even make love from behind as long as there's no anal That's second base, don't you know? And Jeffrey, don't you know 
just read the Bible yesterday And there ain't nothing in the Bible that says you can't go down on your wife And take her in your mouth if that's what you want to do There's over 43 positions in the Kama Sutra That aren't explicitly forbidden by Christianity Susan just celebrated their 35th anniversary And they made love when they celebrated And it made them remember Back to their wedding night When the beautiful union Was consummated Cause they made love with her on top And they didn't stop she was lying on her side and she's halfway over her legs out like a triangle they even made love from behind and god was watching and smiling the entire time yeah thanks tim thanks for doing the podcast wonderful thanks so much for having me appreciate it and watch your head and there she is, another one in the books. By the way, I'm recording this outro from my phone. Can you tell? Do you have an ear for it? Uh, yeah, I messed up. I accidentally deleted my outro from the studio, and now I'm home trying to upload the episode, so doing this on my iPhone. So thanks again for listening to You Always You. I appreciate you. Thanks to my producer, Adam Fox, my sound engineer, Miles Lacroix, and of course, thanks to my guests, my man, my friend, Tim Rabnett. Thanks to Jen Grant for stepping in and doing a hilarious segment of Mariah or Yoko. Uh, be sure to email the show, pod at jdcomedyhour.com. Rate and share the podcast if you like. Also follow on Instagram and Twitter at jdcomedyhour. Join us on the Book of Faces. Like our page, facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour. I believe that is everything pacing around in my kitchen right now. This is Julian Dion signing off. And as always, watch your motherfucking head. Waste of time. A beautiful waste of time.
It was a funny moment, and I could have told it better, but it is it does sound like a sexist, horrible thing you to say. I think so. Yeah? I don't know. Uh, we can if replay- you think it's fine, but it, um, I just didn't tell it right, and I think it sounds like we are just calling girls sluts, and that's really, really not... Uh, obviously what I want the message I want from that story but whatever you do if, if you think it sounds okay I thought then, it sounded perfectly okay, fine good. I can replay it for you before you go and you can just, make a decision okay but... yeah or you can just make an editorial decision All right. it's uh yeah because she'll we... never hear <laughs> she's back in France so <laughs>